Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Barnhart, along with author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg. We're here to encourage you wherever you are on your healing journey. In each episode, we will chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you found us. Let us help you find your joy in life. Welcome to yet another enlightening and fun episode of Grief and Rebirth. I'm Stephanie Barnhart, your co-host, who is actually coming to you live from New Jersey with the New Jersey princess herself, (laughs) Miss Irene Weinberg. And you identified me as a princess. Why not a queen? Oh, you I are prefer well. to, you know. <laughs> You're, I think you've earned queen status at this point, yeah. Uh, I do quite agree with that. You definitely have. You know, and speaking of queens, uh, we have a queen exemplar today. Queen B. She's fabulous. She's a, she's a princess. She's a queen. She's everything you could ever Is she want. also a Jersey queen like yourself? And she's a Jersey girl also. <laughs> Uh, by way of Chicago, I believe. Frankie Keene is an absolutely, she, I, full disclosure, she's a dear friend of mine. She's a very, very, very talented singer. She mixes all these wonderful influences with her music, gospel, rhythm and blues, rock, classical. She does it all. Mm. She's been through all kinds of stuff in her life. She's one of our celebrity guests oh. who is going to inspire every single person who listens to this broadcast today. And I don't know where to start except to say, Frankie, let's start with you and let them all know how amazing you are. So give wow. us a brief synopsis. Of, <laughs> give us a brief synopsis of your career, what brought you to this. And you dealt with a lot of grief in your life. So a lot of the people who listen to our podcast, they're in their swamps, Frankie. How do they how, how do we inspire them that they can leave them? Um, well, first of all, thank you for that glowing um, introduction. I, I will try and live up to it now. I, now I have something to aspire to. <laughs> um, but um, so where to begin? Um, you said I was from Chicago. I am from Chicago. Um, that's kind of where I started my my journey professionally as a musician, as an actor, as a singer, writer, so on and so forth. Um, and uh, came to New York to uh, pursue my career in film and television and uh, ended up doing musical theater and, and film and television, but ended up uh, doing musical theater. And um, I wrote a musical with a dear friend uh, by the name of Vinny Favalli, who is the vice president of late night programming for CBS. So when I met him, he was overseeing the David Letterman show, and now he oversees the Stephen Colbert show. And so, um, yeah, he uh, he found me through a magazine called Backstage.com, which is for actors. And um, he had sent an email, long story short, I was using my boyfriend's account because <laughs> I didn't want to pay for two. Uh, <laughs> being very thrifty as an actor, you have to be. Right. And so he emailed my boyfriend about um, talking to me about a show he was working on. And so my boyfriend calls me and he says, uh, yeah, so there's this guy, his name is Vinny Favalli, and he sent me a note on Backstage. He goes, I've already done due diligence on him. I've, I've looked him up. He goes, he's legit. You should call him. So I called him and we were on the phone until my phone died. And right before my phone died, he said, well, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, uh, we were going to take my dog Johnny down to the shore. And he goes, I live on the shore. Stop by. So we stopped by and we 
never made it to the shore because we hit it off. And 10 years later, fact, I think it's June 1st, our anniversary. It'll be 10 years. Um, and we wrote a musical called Hereafter Musical. 10 years. Huh? That's amazing. And and right now, it's been on Broadway, and it's now uh, a big hit in Argentina, and you're even making it into a movie, right? Yes. Yeah. In fact, um, Tuesday night, sadly, um, was the last night, at least for the second run of Hereafter Musical in Buenos Aires. And I just got a beautiful note from about three of the producers sent me notes saying that it was full house, 550 seats were sold and they sent me videos. So it was just pretty amazing to see the cast and the music director and the director all on stage and they got a standing ovation. And uh, yeah, my partner Vinny and I and his wife and son went to Argentina in October and we saw it. And it's just, it's so bizarre watching your show, watching someone in your role do it all in Spanish and seeing how the crowd responds and not actually being on stage doing it yourself. And it was just very surreal. It was very emotional. It was pretty amazing. And so, yeah, that's, um, that's, that show just closed in Argentina, but there's so much interest. I think it's going to open again. Um, and there are big stars down there doing it. Like, um, I guess what would be the equivalent of the Oprah Winfrey here is playing one of the roles down there. And then another young girl who's kind of like an Ariana Grande, so to speak, she's in my role. So, I mean, wow. it's, it's interesting how they're actors and actresses, there's really nothing off limits for them as far as what roles they'll take. If they believe in something, they'll do it. And it doesn't matter if it's not a well-known show. So we were really blown away by the cast and everyone. It was just great. So now we are doing a film version of it with Danny Aiello being um, the lead opposite me. So it's it's really just been a, a windfall of uh, opportunity and uh, just amazing to be able to see how many how many people's lives you're able to touch by something that you know came out of partial truth and partial imagination. It's, it's really a blessing. Well, the amazing thing to me, and I have to say to everyone listening to this, that I have seen here after the musical, I think on your, one of your groupies, I've seen it about four or five times, and it is a fabulous. It's just got everything you could want, and it, it's just an amazing show. And the um, and it grew out of your and Vinny's shared experiences with grief and mm-hmm. the overwhelming things that happened to the two of you, and talk about how people can move past what would hobble so many people to become inspired to do something that helps mankind even uh, with its message and all. So you want to tell us a little bit about how that grew from the two of your experiences? Sure. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, you have, you have options in life and I think uh, loss can certainly cripple many people. Um, In fact, recently I lost a student. I teach uh, singing and acting, and I lost a student that was very close to me from a brain tumor. And she fought it for two years. And, you know, she, uh, in my eyes, she won because the amount of lives she touched. I went to the wake, the funeral, the memorial service. And I have to say, I mean, they had to have the entire police force come and help because the amount of people that showed up for this girl was absolutely spellbinding. It was just... It was amazing. And so you can, you see what death can do to a family, but you also see what a person's life can do and how it can affect 
everyone around them, even if they're not here. And so that's kind of what Hereafter did. Um, Vinny, my partner, he lost two brothers and his mother and father, actually, but uh, more recently. But he lost a, um, a brother to cancer and he lost a brother to a freak accident um, in Italy where his brother fell from a skylight and fell two stories onto a sink. And it was just not a not not uh, not an expected thing. And he was a young boy. And I lost two brothers, one to Lou Gehrig's disease and one to MS. And I lost my mother when I was eight. And so. You know, these are things that you don't really get over, per se, um, and they can be very, you know, crippling, especially in life events. You know, um, your first boyfriend, uh, getting married, you know, things like this, where you want your mother there or you mm-hmm. want your father there or whatever. I mean, you'll always want them there. But, you know, when they're not there, it's a, there is a big hole it's there when you lose a child or you lose a parent or you lose a sibling or you even lose a friend or you lose somebody that you didn't even know, but they made such an influence in your life because they were a musician or an actor or whatever. You know, we're here to, I think, make those impressions and make other people's lives better by what what we do and why we're here and how we treat other people. Um, And so I guess meeting Vinny and working on this show, he gave me the idea of the show and it was a lot different than how it ended up in the final the final draft that people see now. It didn't start off that way. We had a lot more characters that we had to fire um, off the page, but uh, but uh, essentially we just wanted we wanted people to know that no matter what your belief system is, that whoever you lose, that they're going to be okay and you're going to be okay. I mean, there's you're you're still here for a reason. You're still here because your plan is not done yet and you have stuff you need to do. Um, and as much as it hurts that that person isn't there physically, you know, they are there spiritually, you know, you give up your body, but the soul still lives on. And if you believe that, you know, that that person is still there, even though you can't see them. And so that's kind of what our show is about is that it's how people can't move on when they lose somebody and how we all go to such lengths to try and find that closure or try and find that person who's not there just so that we can be okay. And so this show allows a lot of people to identify with it because one of our characters dies in a car accident. One of them dies by suicide. One dies by cancer. And, you know, nobody nobody wants to die at all and nobody wants to die in, in those fashions. And you have the family members that are left behind grappling with what to do with their lives because they can't move on. Mm-hmm. You know, so they go see a medium. And uh, what they don't realize is that the medium has the same exact problem they do, but he can help everybody else with his gift except himself. And so, you know, you, you get to meet the people who are suffering and then you get to meet the spirits on the other side mm-hmm. and you get to you get to understand their reasoning. They see what torment their families are going through and they ultimately have to decide if they're going to connect with their loved ones and give them closure or if they're going to remain in in their state of being able to be around them at all times and watch them suffer and not know what lies beyond. And so, you know, after the show uh, and after almost every show, I had someone come up to me and tell me that something similar had happened with them or somebody that they lost. And now they feel that they can have that conversation with their families or they can have that conversation with the person that they came to see it with and it helped them move on and it helped them understand that they still had something to do here and that, you know, they were going to be okay. And to know that that, that did that for someone is humbling beyond measure. Absolutely. I mean, in a way, 
I'm relating to it because this podcast, my book and this podcast grew out of my tremendous loss that I've had in my life when I lost mm-hmm. my husband. So this, I wanted to ask you, Frankie, when you were going through all your losses in your childhood, what specifically did you do at the time before you and Vinny found your way to this? Uh, what did you do to comfort yourself and help you help yourself? And what are you doing now besides here after musical? I'll bet you're involved in a lot of other things also. Well, you know, what I did, I mean, when I lost my mother, I was eight. And so, I mean, it's, it's odd because I can look back and, and remember every detail. In fact, my siblings are always shocked at how I remember things that they don't remember. But um, I think that's where my obsession with um, photography and animals came into play. I always was a huge animal lover, but um, photography is, is a passion of mine. And one of the reasons is, is because when you take a picture, it can last forever. You know, you can remember something forever. And so that's always been a passion of mine. But as a kid, um, we had a family business. And so honestly, um, I was put to work at a young age. Like by today's standards, my father would have been arrested. (laughs) But but anyway, that's another podcast for maybe another another day. But um, we didn't really have the luxury of... um, of what most people would have because we had a family business. And so it wasn't like you could just, you know, stay in your room and cry. We had a motel business, so we had to clean rooms. We had to make sure all of the towels were done um, and in the rooms before I went to school. I mean, we had so many, so much work to do that, you know, that wasn't really an option. Um, So I think now, I you know, I think self-healing or self-medication in the form of Things that I that give me solace are are animals and music and uh, photography and I really poured myself into music when I was a kid anyway. So, like for instance, I remember having a tape player. I'm sure, a lot of your listeners won't know what that is, but a tape player. <laughs> Please, and, we somehow. I mean, just gave playing, you one. Playing <laughs> Billy Joel. Um, oh, what song was it? Um, oh God, it was it's one of the most difficult piano pieces. Um, oh, I've seen the lights go down on Broadway. Um, anyway, long story short, the beginning piano part of that song is just absolutely crippling. And he's obviously a brilliant musician. And so I would play that tape literally and just stop it until I would get little bits of that song down. And that's, I focused on that kind of stuff. You know, my, I came from a musical family, so kind of tossed myself into that. And I had one really, really, really good friend, my best friend, actually, since five years old. And I spent a lot of time with her and her parents. So a shout out to Melissa White and her parents, because they became really kind of the place I could go and feel normal. Because, you know, when you lose a parent at that age, kids are so afraid it might be contagious that they don't know how to talk to you. And they don't know what to say. If they have both of their parents, they don't quite know how to help. And they don't know what to say. And so you almost, I don't want to say you become an outcast or ostracized uh, in a bad way, but you do have a lot more self-reflection than you actually probably want or need at that time. So, so yeah, I guess now, and I lost two brothers too, and I guess now I've kind of um, gotten used to the fact that nobody's here forever and, you know, live each moment as if it's your last and make sure that the people around you that you care about know that you know how you feel about them, you know, and, and really understand that why ever or whatever reason someone has been taken, that whatever their job was here, 
was done, whether we know what that job was or not, it was accomplished. And it might, it might reveal itself to us much later. It might be very clear from the start, but their journey's done, their job is done, and they get to go home. You know, that's so, what you just said is so important for people to be conscious about their relationships. Even for me, the night before Saul and I had this terrible accident, he and he died next to me. The last thing I remember him saying to me that night was, I'm so lucky and thankful to have you in my life. And that will always Mm. stay with me. And exactly what you're saying is how, you know, we all don't know what that finite time is. And it's so important what we do because that, whoever we were, we leave that in the hearts of the people that um, when we go on. It's interesting you always tell me that. Like, do you think he, like, unconsciously knew that he was to say that? Or does he, would he say those things to you a lot? No, he wouldn't. Because he was not an effusive guy like that. And he was kind of the kind of guy, like, I'd come down the stairs and say, hey, cuz, you're looking good tonight, you know? He was kind Mm -hmm. of cheeky and fun. He wasn't, like, that kind of effusive personality like that. So it was really interesting that that came out of him like that uh, the night before he died. And it's exactly what you're saying, Frankie, about how important it is for your relationships um, and to be to be aware of what you say to people in your life. You never know if that may be the last moment. Well, I just think, I mean, because I'm curious to hear Frankie, because you said you've had a lot of loss and to see if it's happened to other people. But I remember um, one of my sisters, and if she's listening, she'll probably be like, thanks for sharing. But um, my, I lost my father in October and it was, you know, unexpected, but she, you know, cause it always strikes me because Irene told me this, but she actually showed me the text messages that literally, I think it might've even been maybe a month before something, but it was really random. And she had this weird thing to say, like, dad, I love you. I always will. And he even wrote back and was like, stop, you know, like relax, like being silly, like, you know, like, but she had this weird notion to say something like that out of the blue. And then to, even after he passed to point it out to us to say that. And so like, I feel like there's a thread there. Like, you know, like a lot of us don't pay attention to things that are happening. You know, we're just not more aware, but like, and I don't know if we, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to tell people like pay attention because then you'll be like, oh my God, are you going to pass away? But this podcast is about (laughs) telling people to pay attention, you know, and, and making them aware and making them conscious. Frankie, you know, the other thing is you were really into poetry and that must Mm -hmm. have led the way to the way you can write today also. Yeah, you know, it's a good point, too, because um, poetry to me, like my father was very, um, um, let's just say it wasn't an easy childhood and he was very hard to communicate with because Mm -hmm. he was he would go from zero to 100 pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, I found that the way I could articulate how I felt without fear of major retaliation, which was always a fear in our house, Mm -hmm. was to write poetry and let him read it where it stated my point in a in a poetic way without being accusatory. And so it allowed me the freedom of expressing myself without getting in an argument because, you know, I mean, it's that old school where you don't talk back and you're not allowed to argue with your parents and you're not allowed to actually have an opinion that they don't give you. Are you so, sure we didn't have the same father, Frankie? <laughs> I think so. My I dad think was so. Not yeah, like that at in all. Illinois. Um, and you're welcome to spend quality time with him if you wish. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of what started my poetry was that it was a form of communication because 
I couldn't really communicate with him because he could be very volatile. And so that was something that didn't set him off. And so that was, I found that to be a very, uh, a very adequate tool to, um, to express myself. And so that's what I did. And it started you being able to weigh in advance. You never even knew it. I'm sure it started you being able to handle people in show business also. Because if you oh could God. handle your father like that, yeah, I'm sure I that to you must too, have but... a trillion stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, God, I mean, how, how much time do we have? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I think the arts in general, I think the arts in general are such a healing bomb for a lot of uh, injured birds, if if uh, you know if that makes sense. I mean, I think a lot of artists come from a place of pain, and and you know, a lot of comedians, you know, they seem so funny and what have you. But a lot of that comes from a dark place. Yeah, you know. Um, and a friend of mine said, "I realized when I could make my parents laugh that it was going to be okay." And, 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 you know, he, he did comedy and he did all kinds of stuff. But he's like, I knew that when I could make them laugh that, you know, we were, we were getting somewhere. So, you know, I think um, that definitely helped. I think the arts are, you know, for anybody that's going through a loss, you know, finding the beauty in something, whether it's music or art or taking, you know, never having picked up a, a paintbrush, but try your hand at that. Mm-hmm. Photography, seeing things differently than other people see them. Um, you know, just how you see your world, whether it's music or a drama, is such a great thing where you can use that tool to really, you know, express yourself. And writing, you know, being able to write your feelings and write, you know, um, write characters that that embody what you went through. There's a there's a part in our in our show where um, where one of the characters says, you know, one of my greatest memories with my mom was her taking me to um, taking me out of school and taking me to a Chinese restaurant. Well, that's my story. That's what my mom did. She pulled me out of school one day and I didn't know what was going on. And she took me out to uh, our Chinese restaurant in town and then took me shopping for no reason other than just to spend the day with her. And she took me out of school. And that wow. was one of my favorite memories. And so I put it in the show. And then our, our one of our lead characters, I gave the name of um, Mary or Kay. Well, her, my stepmother's name was uh, was Kay, but her middle name was Mary. And so we used her name in there as a little Easter egg. And that was that was done before she died. I, I sent her the first uh, the first part of the script, and I said, "Well, read it and see what you think." And she didn't even catch the fact that I used her her name. So she's one of the characters on the show. Yeah, so you know, I mean, her. it's nice to be able to um, implement parts of your life into into something creative and not a lot of people know that you know not a lot of people know the chinese restaurant thing or what have you and there there's special little things in there that whoever was a part of that in your life is going to know that that's them coming through that's don't you also have something going on um with your own cd or work that you're working on well i'm working i mean it's been a work in progress for a long time only for the fact that I've spent the past 10 years focusing on Hereafter, but I am working on my own stuff currently, and um, hopefully I'll be working with a couple of producers that I've been talking to, so that's that's a, that's a plus, and um, yeah, so that's, that's in the works, and then I'm teaching uh, 
just started teaching in the New York public school system. I'm teaching a couple, a couple days a week, um, a drama club that I'm teaching the kids how to write their own either skits or plays and uh, putting it on its feet. So that's been uh, pretty exciting besides teaching privately. So that's kind of a, a new journey I'm embarking on to work with our, uh, work with our kids and get them writing because the pen is more powerful than the sword and watching the kids march in Washington for gun control was so inspiring to see our, our youth getting up and doing something mm-hmm. and, and standing behind what it is they believe in. That was so powerful and so heartwarming and um, hopeful that uh, it really, it really beyond words made me so happy. So it's nice to work with kids who want to be a change in this world. They had a big march here in New York too. It was really cool to see a lot of our friends and, you know, I mean, just to see your friends and family and for other kids to see their friends and family participating so close too was mm-hmm. really, really cool to see all over social. My own brother. Oh, absolutely. My own brother was a commissioner in Parkland for many years and my niece and my, and her husband, marched in parkland uh oh that's fantastic yeah yeah yeah. it's just amazing frankie well you know um one of our girls that was in the show hereafter she lost um i think four or five family members in that shooting that church shooting in texas that was her family that was murdered Oh my so gun control, you know, I mean, not to get off the topic, but, you know, she has a specific, not only was she in our show, but she has um, obviously strong, re- strong reasons to feel that way as well. So, yeah, I mean, it is, it is inspiring to see all over, all over this country, um, people getting up and doing something and your voice is so powerful. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's all about being role. And I think also it's really important to be role models. In a way, it's a reversal because these kids are being role models for all of us instead of the other oh, kids. Yeah. 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 I can't agree more. I mean, they really are. It's, it's fascinating. And then you look at social media and um, you, you start to see, you, you really see who, what your friends or people that you've known for a long time. I shouldn't say friends, but acquaintances, people you went to high school with, people that you grew up with. And you start to see where their real thoughts lie. And it's rather shocking to see how, um, how, how people reveal themselves. And I don't mean that in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's rather, rather shocking um, how ignorant, racist, and deplorable people can be. Um, but you know what? It helps you weed out those people that you don't have to focus much time on. That's, that's, right. that's the beauty of it. That's right. They're, they're not, they're, they're not in the positive place that we are. That's for sure. No, no, they're not. They're lost. And so it was nice to see our, our youth uh, leading instead of following yeah. and, and not being lost, but knowing exactly where they're going. And if that's what we have to look forward to, I'm thrilled because they're not going to put up with anything. And that is fantastic. And you know what? I think people should be thrilled to follow you and find you, Frankie Keene, wherever they can. So why don't we start by you giving everyone all your contact information. And we will also be sure to put it out when we release this uh recording to the world Mm -hmm. okay and then i have another question for you okay um well i i I should be having a uh, a website done soon i had one but it we pulled it down because it was so outdated so i'm I'm redoing the whole thing so until that day happens um hereaftermusical.com is a fantastic way to um not only see 
hereafter online and hear the songs and hear the storyline and see the press and all that good stuff and then see all the good stuff from Argentina. But it's also a way to contact me. Um, I am on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, Facebook. And Instagram is primarily my dog, Lola, who herself is a celebrity. Um, she, she has taken the world by storm and has a lot of happy followers from Laura Benanti to um, John Legend's music director. Is probably one of the first people, every time I put a picture of her, to like it or follow her. It's pretty funny. So, I have but met it's under Lola. Frankie I have Keith. to say, I have met Lola. And Lola is gorgeous. She's a beautiful she, white dog with such a soul. Oh, my. She is. She's got a person. I've had dogs my whole life, and she's got a personality like a like a human being. It's rather fascinating to get side-eye from a dog and have her ignore you when she's mad at you. Um, <laughs> she is something else. So, yeah, so you'll see pictures of Lola in outfits, talking to her treat dealer, singing, saying, I love you. She's she's quite a fascinating little beast. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's Frankie Keen. Um, K-E-A-N-E. K-E-A-N-E, right. Uh, Frankie is F-R-A-N-K-I-E. And then the last name is K-E-A-N-E. And um, again, you can find me um, via hereaftermusical.com and um, on social media. And then uh, on occasion, I'll sing over at Ashford and Simpson Sugar Bar, or if I have gigs, I'll put it up on my social media site. So. That would be yeah. wonderful, and if when you have gigs, let us know too, because yeah, we'll we share. would we would be we would love to we'll share come them. check you out. I will come check you out too, Frankie. Oh, fantastic! I will. The last gig I did was at the cutting room for Vinny's son Jonathan for his thirtieth birthday party. <laughs> oh wow! How fabulous is that? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. But um, but yeah, I'll definitely keep you all posted when I have Please something do. coming up, and um, yeah, I'd love to have you all there. And for everyone. What is Frankie Keene's tip for finding joy in life? Thank you so much, ladies. It was such a pleasure being on your show. But what is your tip for finding joy in life, Frankie? Oh, my tip for finding joy. Um, my tip for finding joy, besides finding something furry with four legs, is um, I think just actually having having some alone time. I know that sounds not so um, profound, but... Being able to get in the car and drive, um, like for instance, I grabbed Lola and tossed her in the car with me after my after my student Nikki passed away, and we drove up along um, up along Palisade Parkway, and we pulled off every rest stop, got out, and just we just breathed. You know what I mean? We just took a breath and just really took in the air and took in nature and really just without anyone, without any distractions, with no radio, just silence, you know, and getting in touch with how, how beautiful this world is. Even though someone's not in it, the world is still beautiful and you can still appreciate the beauty of nature and the beauty of looking at the water and looking at the trees and looking at the sky and just knowing that, you know, you're very grounded and that you're here still and that that person would want you to continue living your life until they get to see you again. So I guess I find joy um, in little things. I find joy in a favorite song. I find joy meeting a new person. I find joy taking my camera out and, and finding a really cool thing to shoot. Um, I take joy in so many things, but I think um, 
think having just some alone time with nature is what I do to kind of decompress and to really kind of um, get myself back on track. Well, that's a wonderful tip for people. And I must say, I find joy in having you on our podcast. I'm very, I'm very honored. And I think you're, you're just everyone. I have to tell you, she's as beautiful as she sounds. She's just a wonderful oh, person. Oh my gosh! I'm not. I'm not leaving your show now. My head is just too big to get out of my own room. Seriously. Thank you, ladies, so much. It's so great, and I, I hope that this uh, that this helps other people. Maybe uh, you know, pop out into nature and realize that they're here for a bigger purpose. Definitely. Well, I'm hoping it warms up immediately so we can head out into nature tomorrow. And get oh my God, please. So yes, <laughs> let's hope we all can go into nature tomorrow. That is our goal. <laughs> oh my God. Well, word has it is supposed to rain tomorrow. So of course. Oh, from your, from your lips to God's yeah, ears. We'll please. see. Well, hopefully we'll have some fun Instagram photos to follow when it's i'm gonna head over and follow lola as well right now i'm gonna go check her out <laughs> so uh but thanks for joining us again and um thank you all out there in our podcast world for tuning in and if you have any questions for us or frankie you know shoot us an email um or reach out on social media and we will be in touch and as i like to say to be continued to be continued. Thanks, Frankie. Thank you, Frankie. Thank you. Bye, ladies. Bye. Bye.